Suns playoff coverage presented by Four Peaks Kilt Lifter. The home of Phoenix Suns playoff basketball. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. The Suns have a 2-0 series lead. Suns win. Bickley and Murata talk Suns Nuggets now. We've got a, a great locker room. Guys that understand the moment and a guy like Jay Crowder, who's been to the finals, he's been through a lot. Um, I didn't play it a lot too. And I'm always talking about 07, 08, when uh, we played against the Spurs and I was in New Orleans. We won the first two games, beat the breaks off of them. And I remember looking over there at Tim and all of them and they weren't phased. It was just one game. So uh, that's what we talk about as a team too. You know, it's just one game. Now we got to lock in and focus and get ready to go to Denver. Chris Paul following Game 2 on uh, Wednesday night, talking about staying focused for Game 3, which does happen tonight at Ball Arena in Denver. Uh, Nuggets in that 0-2 hole. Um, th- that's part of the, the, the steadying force of, of Chris Paul. He said at the All-Star break, Bloomer, uh, for these young guys on this team, second half of the season is going to be different. It's mm-hmm. going to be harder to win games in the second half of the season. Uh, he talked about it going into the playoffs. Playoffs are different. Talked about going into Game 6 as a closeout game in Los Angeles. Closing out a game is the hardest thing to do. We heard Chris Paul and, and Jay Crowder both talk about the difficulty they're facing in, in, in what should be a very hostile environment tonight in Denver in Game 3. Uh, to be able to lean, to hear that from coaches is one thing, but to hear that from another guy that's wearing the uniform and taking the court with you has been invaluable for, for the Phoenix Suns this year. And it's been constant with Chris Paul. Again, we said it with Jay Crowder uh, in, in the roundtable segment, but the Suns getting Chris Paul um, has gone about as swimmingly as it can go so far, Yeah, in my mind. No, I agree. Uh, and uh, I had no anticipation that it would be uh, this good, this fast for this team. And uh, yet, at the same time, the uh, just the thoughts of... Chris Paul coming here were absolutely tantalizing. When when I think back to hearing it for the first time and hearing about this might actually happen. Like mm-hmm. they might go get Chris Paul, arguably one of the best point guards that's played in our lifetimes. And now he's here and he is better than I thought he was. And I heard that from Oklahoma City guys that do what we do. I heard that from Houston guys that do what we do. Uh, I don't talk to people in L.A. But I did hear it from the other people. And I I think it's, you know, again, one of those deals where you hear it from people. You're like, okay, yeah, but we've been watching Chris Paul play for a decade and a half and at Wake Forest. And he was phenomenal in all of that. Yes. Uh, But it's different when he's your own. It's different when you see him every game. It's different when you hear from him after all those games and you hear the conversations like you do when he's on the floor and hearing him interact with his teammates. I only get to kind of try to read lips when I see it on a monitor, but uh, you see all the attention he gives to his teammates, and it's real, uh, and he's been there, and he's and he's done those things that these other guys haven't, so of course they're going to pay attention and listen to it, but then it's another level that he can go and execute still at the level he's executing at. It's one thing for him to be that vocal leader and that mouthpiece, but it's a whole other thing when you're getting the whole package, and the Suns are getting the whole package, and that's unbelievable to me that he could still perform at this level along with being the leader that he is. Which all means, I mean, what you just described is the value of Chris Paul. Yes, he's making over $40 million. It's one of the biggest contracts in the league. 
Some people shuddered at that number when the Suns were going down that road of possibly acquiring him. He's underpaid. Is that is that he, the weird thing to say? He's deli- <laughs> he's at least delivering. Yes, he but it's all part of the value. You're not just getting a point guard. You're getting all of this, which brings me back to a conversation that Bick and I had yesterday, yesterday with uh, Tim Bontemps from from ESPN, and Bick had asked the question, and I felt this way too. Um, I'm not going to say anything negative about Nikola Jokic winning the MVP. It was expected. I think it's deserved. I think he was the uh, the the best slash most valuable player in the league this year for his team, especially considering what they went through. I thought it was pretty ridiculous that 49 voters who had the power to recognize what was happening in the league didn't have Chris Paul in their top five. It's not necessarily about winning. It's about showing the, the due respect to a player and what he's done for his team. So Bick asked this question, and I think in asking the question, he used the term idiot. Hey, there was 49 idiots who didn't have Chris Paul. <laughs> I think I call them clowns. <laughs> clowns, idiots. Um, Tim Bontemps might have been one of those guys. He, might have been. <laughs> he didn't clearly remember who he had <laughs> I, I, at, at, num- at number five, but he did say well, this. Chris Paul had a phenomenal season, right? But if you look at Chris's numbers compared to the other guys that were in the race for that award, they're not even comparable, right? I mean, he averaged, like, what, 17 and 8 a game? Mm-hmm. And I know this isn't an award that's all about numbers. It's not. But, you know, for as, for as excellent as Chris was this season, you can't compare his season to Nicole Jokic's season or Joel Embiid's season or Steph Curry's season, right? Like, statistically, he just doesn't get into the same ballpark, which is why, you know, I think he finished fifth overall in the voting like that the fact that he finished where he did um with the season he had statistically i think is a testament to the impact chris had on that team in phoenix but you know i I thought long and hard about where i'd put him on my ballot i honestly can't remember if i had him uh fourth or fifth on it or not i i had i didn't have him in my top four i can't honestly remember right now you're probably gonna laugh at me but i can't remember who i had fifth i thought about voting chris fifth and i may have voted him fifth um, but ultimately, I just don't think his resume stands up with those other guys. And, and look, Nikola Jokic had arguably the, the greatest offensive season or statistical season by a big man in the history of the league. And he had this Denver Nuggets team that had Michael Porter in and out of the lineup with COVID, uh, lost Jamal Murray to an ACL, um, mm-hmm. you know, had injuries throughout the season, third in the West. Um, there's a lot to chew on there. As a distant third, by the way. Uh, yeah, and I had <laughs> – yes. I had this epiphany after the interview, and I didn't want to dwell on you know what was already done in the MVP voting in that interview. We only had a, a, a little bit of time with Tim Bontemps. But we had the discussion afterwards, and it started to bubble inside me, and I got bothered all over again. <laughs> I understand this is, it. This is not an award that's all about numbers, but his numbers weren't comparable. Well, you just said it. It's not all about numbers. He the, the, the point that I, himself, the yeah. point that I brought up to Bick yesterday, and I don't know if you heard it or not, Bloomer, was for years when we discussed the possibility of Devin Booker, Booker being an all-star representative for the Suns, and he was right on the doorstep for, for a couple of years there, oh, it's all numbers. It's got to be more about winning games. This is for an all stats. This is for an all star game, right? Which nobody tries in really anyway. (laughs) It's all about winning games. Yet when we're talking about the MVP voting, which winning is at the part, the the heart of that award, which we've seen twice in Phoenix Suns history, where a guy with not the greatest numbers won back to back MVPs 
because of what he brought to that team. It, it, it just made me mad all over again. And again, I'm not sitting here beating the drum saying the voters got it wrong with Nikola Jokic. But I'll point at Steph Curry, and I'll say that was all numbers. Yeah. When the playoffs started, Steph Curry was on a golf course. Oh, they would have won 15 games without him. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, because that's back to the Devin Booker thing. Like, uh, you know, I think that uh, the interesting part of this is that they did change the way the voting took place. In fact, the other night I was talking with Al and Tim in the booth. And, you know, Al McCoy, our Hall of Famer, used to have a vote. Tim Kempton used to have a vote. And then some people abused that vote. I'm not saying Al and Tim abused it, but other people abused it. And they took the votes away from the broadcasters. And, and now they, they, the NBA decides who they basically garnish these votes with, who they dispatch the votes to. Yeah. And I don't really know how they decide that. Uh, but I don't know what well, the solution is to it either, to be honest with you, unless we just say, you know what matters? What the guys in the battle think. What the players and the coaches think. But the players, the coaches, and the GMs, if they do the voting, then it's a different argument. We can still get into an argument based on the thoughts of the of the players, coaches, and GMs of the people that are actually playing the game and in the game. So it's it look, it's a conversation I'm happy to have and I and I do think there are definitely um a long list of arguments to be made on Chris Paul's behalf that he should be a top five MVP candidate for what he did this season in Phoenix. There's no question in my mind and I do believe that the people that left him out of the top five uh, made an oversight and I think that they will believe that as Chris Paul continues to play and the guys they voted for ahead of him go home or go fishing or go play golf and that's the that's the best thing we can do in the meantime is to remind those people that uh, Chris Paul is still playing and at a high level and leading this team, which has been one of, if not the best basketball teams on the planet for the last four, maybe five months. Mm -hmm. And I am absolutely confident when I say that. There's maybe one team that's played as good at this sport as the Phoenix Suns have for the last four or five months. That's the Utah Jazz. Nobody else. You can try to argue the Brooklyn Nets belong in the conversation because of the firepower they have and this three-headed monster that really has spent very little time together. Very little. Uh, but I don't think you have a good argument yet with the Nets. Maybe eventually you will, but right now I don't think you yeah, do. Yeah, by so the good. end of the playoffs you might, but I, I yeah. agree with you. It's not right, not right there. Going back to your point, too, your idea about uh, continuing to, to change the way that vote is, is constituted. In Phoenix as well, we just went through a situation where Monty Williams was named the coach of the year by his peers, mm -hmm. which is not as nearly widely recognized as the NBA Coach of the Year Award, which is voted on by the media. He fell short in that, even though he had the most first-place votes. Yeah, it's a silver lining uh, that uh, an award from your peers always means more. But I don't hate that idea of having the players vote. For yeah. the MVP. I mean, it, look, it's, it would definitely change things because uh, I do think they have different opinions of players than the fans do. It's, and it's and by the clear. way, we know we can't rely on the fans to vote for the MVP because they had one vote <laughs> and somehow it went to Derek, Derek Rose. Rose. <laughs> How it's not all, about, it's all, not all about numbers with Chris Paul, but let's give it to a bench guy who averaged 14 points a game. Are we sure that wasn't like a decade ago that that vote just kind of carried over from when D. Rose actually was an MVP? 10th <laughs> year uh, anniversary vote. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I look, I agree with you. Nobody knows uh, about the Michael H. Goldberg NBCA Coach of the Year Award, but that's the one that, that Monty Williams is putting on his mantle. Mm -hmm. And I believe that in the end – 
that's the one that he probably would care about more. Even though the press would be bigger for the Coach of the Year award that Tibbs won in New York, uh, this one means that all the other guys that uh, he, he's coaching against value him as the best one of the bunch. That's pretty. That's pretty heavy, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I've always listened to Devin Booker when he says that his, the the respect of his peers is number one for him, and I and I believe him when he says that. Uh, and yet, it doesn't mean he doesn't want the respect of the fans and the media. That's nice too, but uh, well, because you, his peers have known about him for years. Exactly. That's not a new development. And they showed him that respect. Absolutely. I mean, for Kobe Bryant to go out of his way late in his career to do that for Devin Booker, who was just scratching the surface at that point, that obviously resonated in real time and continues to resonate with Devin Booker. So, yeah, that, I think that's a great indication that the, 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 the players know. The players know who's getting it done. And, again, it's not saying that Jokic wouldn't have won the award, but Chris Paul wouldn't have been fifth. No, I agree. I agree. And it's just not just because he's Just look at the win increase. Exactly. Everywhere he's gone. And, yeah. and and you do get to a point where you start to get credited for things you've done in more than just one season in some of these awards. Mm-hmm. Can't say that recently, though, with Giannis winning a couple times as a young player. Jokic is only 26. It's not like he's got this massive body of work of domination, but this year is definitely one. If you break down stats, and I know there are some people listening that probably love numbers and love stats. If you want to break it down, his year is unbelievable. I mean, it's really one of the greatest all time Mm -hmm. when it comes to big men in the NBA. So he does deserve it. I'm with you. Uh, But I'm also excited to watch him close up shop, or as they say in one of my favorite television shows that uh, involves uh, cooking, Please pack your knives and go, Nikola Jokic, <laughs> uh, because that's about to happen, and I really believe it. And, and uh, you know, again, those who voted uh, for other people over Chris Paul uh, will prove t- to be uh, even more wrong if this uh, team continues to play the way yeah. they are. Uh, Mikel Bridges was on with Doug and Wolf yesterday, uh, and they asked him about Chris Paul, leadership, something that Mikel has uh, discovered that he didn't know going into this whole uh, season. Shoot. I mean, we all knew he was a leader, but I just think his everyday – work ethic and how he takes care of his body and nutrition and everything is just on another level. So I think just all them things, all the little things that he does was the one that really catches me by surprise. I didn't know that he really did. I always knew he was a great leader just being a basketball player, but I think that was that's the biggest thing. Yeah, it's it's top to bottom with that guy. Uh, and let's face it, this is a basketball team in a, in a league really that's not even operating normally yet, and the influence has been that vast. Uh, now we have to we have to have the other Chris Paul discussion maybe <laughs> about the contract future. Where's he going? Yeah, yeah exactly. there's all kinds what of reports. What team is he going to rehabilitate next? Did you see Chris Mannix's report yesterday? No, I don't think I did. So there had been an earlier report, hey, Chris Paul's leaning towards opting out of the, the $44.2 million option for, for, last, for next year uh, in hopes of getting more money over the course of a longer-term contract. I which, remember that one. It cited multiple sources, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, and that makes a lot of sense uh, in today's NBA. Mm-hmm. Although Charles Barkley said uh, in some interview that he just did, you know I like to drink, right? I've never been drunk enough to pass down for, pass up $44 million. <laughs> but Chris Mannix, and, and the thought was, okay, if that happens, the opt-out occurs, what does a three-year contract for Chris Paul look like at this stage of his career? And 90 to $100 million seemed to be the numbers that people were focusing on. Chris Mannix uh, put out yesterday um, 
three years. Some NBA executives have projected Paul's next deal to fall in the three-year, $60 million area, according to Chris Mannix. That's quite a significant that haircut. does seem a little bit low, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, you're, you're getting used to making 40. You're going to go to 20? And that's uh, why. What, what reason uh, other than you're getting older? I mean, that, yeah. that's the one reason. But, I mean, he's got an awful lot of – we talked about leverage earlier in the show with Kyler Murray and trying to play two sports. You want to talk about leverage? I think Chris Paul has a little bit of leverage based on his track record. He might not have won the MVP award, but he has certainly turned things around and been a big reason why the Suns are where they are. So he's going to walk into whatever room he's going to walk into to negotiate his next deal yeah. with a number of uh, items uh, that will be in his favor. I could uh, I could see it being less than forty and significantly less than forty a year, mm-hmm. but I find it hard to believe it would drop all the way to twenty a year for Chris Paul. I agree with that, but also to hear Chris Paul talk so glowingly about his experience here again under weird circumstances where his family is not with him, he's basically living here on his own. But the way he talks about the organization and his teammates, mm-hmm. uh, how much he loves it here, it's it's hard to uh, it, it it it's hard to picture a guy who's worn a lot of different uniforms wearing a different uniform. Agreed. And if he eventually moves his family to the Valley, he'll save some money that way. It's, it's the cost of living's a little bit friendlier here than uh, Los Angeles. Front page, New York Post Sports uh, on, on their website. Chris Paul's $44 million risk could be very intriguing for the Knicks. Oh, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Hey, you were watching what I was when the Knicks came to town, yeah. and there was all the love happening on the floor between Book and CP3 and uh, Mr. Rose and, and the, the crew from the Knicks. Uh, you, look, it makes you think. It does make you think because you know there's a bond there. But, I mean, when he talks about his family and being close, they, they would have to move across the country if he was going to go play for the Knicks. Yeah. Uh, and yet he's been able to uh, keep his life the way he likes it here. Uh, and you know what? They're a pretty good basketball team here. I think it's going to be hard to leave this group. They seem to like each other, and we're not just blowing smoke. That seems to be legit. Yeah, I, I fully buy into that. Uh, Suns, Nuggets, Game 3 tonight from Ball Arena in Denver. Uh, real quick look at what else is going on in the playoffs. Um, we, we haven't had a chance to talk much on this show about what's transpired, what's going on right now in these series. Um, I know we've both been watching the Clippers-Jazz series. Clippers are down 0-2 for the second straight round. Now they were able to overcome 0-2 going to Dallas for games 3 and 4 and win that series. Excuse me. I have no problem saying the Clippers were, I felt, were a superior team to Dallas going into that series. Credit to Dallas getting into seven. Uh, falling down 0-2 to Utah feels a lot different for the Clippers, doesn't it? It does, although they fell down 0-2 on the road as opposed yeah. to last series losing them at home and made everybody wonder, wow, that is, are the Mavs going to just make quick work of this? And then quickly the Clippers flipped it and won it on the road. So now I think they go home. It doesn't mean that they're going to have a raucous crowd around them because it's still limited in L.A., isn't it? At lot, Staples? Lots of cardboard cutouts still they at do. Staples. Yeah. And it's a whole different look when the Clippers are in that building than the Lakers yes. are in that building. We yep. talked about that recently. Uh, And so now uh, I don't think that there's a distinct advantage uh, with the series moving to L.A. and the Jazz are playing well, but they don't they still don't have Mike Conley. And and I'm, you know, curious, is Donovan Mitchell gas tank wise? I mean, we talk about the Nuggets, you know, and and Mitchell had that injury that kept him out. Maybe that was somewhat helpful for maybe (laughs) you think. I mean, he is a machine right now. I did not expect um, 
And remember, Donovan Mitchell wasn't happy at the beginning of the playoffs because they held him out of game one against Memphis. The Jazz lost that game. The only game they've yeah, lost. That's the only game they've lost in the postseason. Um, and I know they were they were being extra cautious because of his importance to that team. I did not expect to see Donovan Mitchell play at this level as quickly as he got to that level. That's a serious injury. We all saw it happen. I remember it, it happened in a weird day game. We were on the air when it happened, and we started to get reports on Twitter and people, oh, this looks horrible for, for Donovan Mitchell. So for him to come back, and uh, he proved it in the playoffs last year, the stage is not too big for him. Uh, he's been phenomenal. He really has, and the thing that makes him even more dangerous, Vinny, I don't know how you b- feel about this, but Dwayne Wade is now a part owner of the Utah Jazz. Dwayne Wade is in Donovan Mitchell's ear as much as Quinn Snyder is right now. Even during games, when, when Dwayne Wade was sitting courtside in game one, he and Donovan Mitchell were having like pivotal conversations down the stretch of the game. Dwayne Wade knows a thing or two about a thing or two, and I think he is helpful, and I think that relationship is helpful because Donovan Mitchell is taking another step, and I thought that that was hard to believe he would be able to. Uh, he He's a phenomenal player. They have defense. They've got shooting, and the Utah Jazz are a formidable bunch. I think that uh, you know th- this is setting up to be Suns Jazz in the Western Conference Finals, and I really hope it happens. Uh, but you know, there's still a lot, of, a lot of action left to be played on both sides. I want to share this, though, uh, as we talk about the other games last Last night I get a text from this guy named Vince Murata, <laughs> and, the, and the message was pretty uh, easy. It was uh, just, are, are we going to see this? Uh, do the Suns need to be – I hope the Suns are able to avoid what's happening to Brooklyn right now was your text. I'm yes. sharing secrets now. I hope you're okay with that. You didn't and check with me first. My response was, I hope the Suns are paying attention to this because uh, that can be helpful too, to understand how lopsided – that Brooklyn-Milwaukee series was in Brooklyn. Yes. And then watch that first quarter and them hang 30-9 to nine on them. Yeah. Now, Brooklyn ended up battling back, and I didn't think they would, but it was right away. I mean, I turned the channel. I came back. It was 33-30. to 30. I was like, are you kidding? This isn't the same game, is yeah, it? Yeah, from the first quarter to the second quarter, the, the Bucks offense just went completely bye-bye. Um, yeah, I, I think there were a lot of examples to glean from for the Suns from that game last night. Of course, the competition is different. Milwaukee hasn't looked great in this series, even in the win last night. Uh, but I think they're a far superior team to Denver. Uh, is Denver capable of jumping out on anybody 30-9 to nine right now? With, especially with the way the Suns are operating. Yeah, if the Suns are, are like playing meaningful basketball, are they capable of getting down 30-9 to nine to anybody? I mean, I, I just I don't think so. Now, uh, again... All bets are off if you're telling me you've got Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving all 100% coming at you full sure. tilt. Throw all the bets out because that's that's a three-headed monster we just haven't seen before, the no. likes of that yeah. uh, scoring-wise. It's just it's unparalleled. Uh, but we haven't seen it yet either, really, uh, from the Nets in the playoffs. So uh, we'll see. We'll see when we do see that and if we do see that. Other than that, I just I can't imagine the Suns would get out class like that, like, like the uh, – the Nets did, uh, and yet the Bucks, as you mentioned, completely took their foot off the pedal, and then it became this defensive grind after each team took a turn yeah, was, running the other one off the floor. It was not, uh, it was not aesthetically pleasing either. <laughs> no, no. Although I did, uh, I did enjoy the the PJ Tucker Kevin Durant 
quote-unquote altercation. A little face-to-face. That was made far worse by security guards running onto the floor. (laughs) Apparently, Kevin Durant's personal security guard was the one that got there first. Really? That's what I read, that it was his guy. It wasn't even like a team employee. Look, I made this point about Jay Crowder. That's a great employee, KD. Don't lose him. (laughs) After game two, there's a lot of fake tough guys in the NBA. Jay Crowder is not one of them. No, he's not. Uh, I will put P.J. Tucker in, in that category as well. Not it, a fake. He's his toughness is one hundred percent real. Yeah, that's how he has the job still. Yes, yeah, one hundred percent. And, it and ha- the corner three helps. And it hasn't dulled at all over the years. By the way, no, he, he had to be that guy to get back to the NBA, and it's still it's still burning just as hot as it did when he got here. Yeah, he he actually was playing in the country that is now going up against your your uh, people, the the Italians in soccer against Turkey. Right? Didn't he go over and play in Turkey? I, I played Spain, so. and then he came back, and now he's savvy. So he's at he's always been the tough nosed guy, but now he's savvy. He knows how to get away with more stuff yeah. than he did when he was here yes. in Phoenix. Uh, I like that you were able to work in a mention of the uh, UEFA Euros that are going on <laughs> You're right welcome. now. Uh, they're in the twenty six minute scoreless between Turkey and Italy. You know Gambo's got an eye on it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Coming up next, we've seen him so far in the playoffs, but is tonight, this series, time for Devin Booker to have one of his games? We'll get into it next. Pickley and Murata, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Suns playoff coverage presented by Four Peaks Kilt Lifter. The home of Phoenix Suns playoff basketball. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. The Suns have a 2-0 series lead. Suns win. Bickley and Murata talk Suns Nuggets now. Chris Paul with a basketball and just over five minutes remaining in the first half. Paul right side. Paul bumped by Gasol, but now brings it way out on the right side. Suns are running out of time here on the shot clock. Out to Booker with it. Booker, a long three. Shazam! It's his seventh, and that's the most he's had in any game since he's been in the NBA with the Suns. 55-31. That was going back a week ago Thursday to the Game 6 closeout performance. The legendary performance by Devin Booker ended up with eight three-pointers and 47 points. Yes. uh, In disposing of the Lakers. Uh, John Bloom in for Bick today here on uh, Bickley and Murata. Uh, If I would have told you through two games of this series, Bloomer, that Devin Booker would have shot only 26 times in two games and is averaging 19.5 points, which is 10.2 points less than he averaged against the Lakers, you probably wouldn't feel great about where the Suns were in the series. Yet, they're up 2-0 by most people's accounts in complete control of the series, and they haven't had to lean on number one yet. No, yet at the same time, I don't feel like he's played poorly at all. No, he has I feel like he's been rock solid, and he's fit right into what the plan has been for this team, and that is to play team basketball, to share that ball. He's been uh, first and foremost in that alongside his backcourt partner. They're both putting up great assist numbers, and obviously Chris Paul with the assist-to-turnover ratio is off the charts. But uh, I think Devin Booker, other than that maybe first quarter quarter and a half of game one against the Nuggets where he was really probing and seemed like he was feeling out what the Nuggets approach was defensively and he threw threw a couple little time passes Uh, other than that I think he's been pretty solid taking care of the ball as well yeah I described uh, his performance in game one of this series as mature because he didn't shoot a ton I think he was eight for 12 from the from the floor but um, that's way down in terms of not in fact yeah I think he'd only shot less than 12 times in one game all season long and that was a a boat race game Um, I like the way he's handled as as well uh, and it really started in the Lakers series. 
one of the questions for the Suns going into the postseason was, all right, how does he react? And, you know, there's a first time for everybody. And some guys feel comfortable and some guys don't. You never know how it's going to go. Um, but to hear him say things like, uh, after closing out the Lakers, I've, I've worked my whole life for this moment. I've sacrificed a lot of my life to this game. He says all the right things. And he's really just conducted himself as a total pro. He but has. the question remains, um, do we get one of those Devin Booker performances tonight? We We know... He is prone to have those performances on the road, mm-hmm. uh, and I think you're going to see more of those at home as his career progresses. But he likes the energy, the opposing energy, in, in, you know, when when the Suns are on the road, um, and that might be a way tonight. We talked to earlier, uh, you know, what the Suns need to do. I think you're going to get uh, increased energy from Denver. I think there's going to be emotion from from the Jokic thing. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to try to jump on the Suns early. If Devin Booker can counter with one of those first quarters like he had in L.A., look out. You know what? He's always loved stealing the spotlight, too. I mean, this goes Mm -hmm. back to several years ago when Russell Westbrook was on that crazy triple-double tear and came to the gym here in Phoenix with a chance to set the record. And what happened in that game? Devin Booker put Put on an absolute show. He put his foot down, too, (laughs) and was yelling at the crowd, not here. I forget what he was saying. Not in this, not in our house, that type of thing. Yeah. And so that's what he loves. And so tonight all the attention is going to go on Joker. And I don't put it past book at all to have one of those great nights. But the thing is, like, we can sit here and talk about it. Like, it's coming. I think you and I both feel like it's coming. It's a matter of time. He's going to go off again. But they don't need him to against the Denver Nuggets. Like, I can, they don't. They don't need yeah. a 47-point performance from Devin Booker to beat this Nuggets team. No. What do you, what do you make of how Denver has attacked him defensively so far? I think it's uh, interesting because, you know, you just look at the matchup in the backcourt and you say, okay, Facundo Campazzo and Austin Rivers, can either one of them have any chance to take Devin Booker one-on-one? The answer to that is no, and I think the Nuggets knew that going in. So Rivers has gotten him a little bit, but uh, they've tried throwing double teams at him. They've tried Aaron Gordon on him. Uh, they tried Will Barton when Will Barton had a few minutes uh, crossover with Devin Booker on the floor at the same time. And Will Barton, I mean, that can't be easy for a guy who's been on the shelf as long as he is to keep up even though they're about the same size that's the thing about Barton he's the closest to Booker in size of any of those matches Uh, Gordon being bigger and the other two guys being smaller and in Composo's case significantly so but I I don't think there's anybody over there that they can really look at and say okay you're our Booker stopper if there if there is such a thing Uh, PJ Dozier I think they miss him he's out with an injury uh, but he gives them something defensively and I think he could help in that category and if Will Barton was fully healthy he'd probably be the best at it uh, of anybody on that roster but he still wouldn't be great yeah Will Barton admitted to the press after game one that hey this is a risky thing we're doing here this this could pop on me that hamstring could pop on me at any time not wishing that to happen no. but for, for a player to acknowledge that so freely because he he was also mad that Michael Malone stuck to the minutes restriction that he was on Will Barton was uh, outside of Jokic the only bright spot they had yep. in game two uh, we'll see if that that role grows tonight but I, I think you bring up some good points but you know when, when they have thrown that double team and they do blitz uh, Devin Booker to get the ball out of his hands He's seen it so much now over the past couple of years that it, it it's really not, you know, unless it's carried out to an expert degree, it's really not phasing him at all. No, because now what he does is he takes a look at it, and the first time or two that you do it to him, he's paying attention to how the other pieces are moving. It's not the guys that are rushing at him 
that he cares about. Mm -hmm. It's how are you covering my guys in the corners Mm -hmm. and how are you covering my big fella down low? Because that's how I'm going to determine who I'm setting up for an easy look. And in a lot of cases, a wide open look. Yeah. And he burns them on it. In those corners, he's become such a great passer in terms of delivering the ball to the corner uh, in a non- normal way. Right. Yeah, normally the ball will rotate, but he'll skip it over the defense. He and Chris Paul are just both phenomenal at that. And that's what makes this team so dangerous, Vinny, because offensively, you know, we, we, we talked about their defense and that has been the calling card, but offensively, and, and Chris Paul has said this a couple post games recently, like, how are you going to stop? Who, who Pick your poison, basically, is mm-hmm. what he's saying. Who are you going to stop on Which, this team? Uh, and that's been very evident in the first two games. Not necessarily in the Lakers series. The Lakers much more adept defensively than Denver, in, in my opinion. But uh, Bick and I talked about it, too, that the balance that the Suns have shown. Ability for four, five, six guys to hit for double figures and make it easier on everybody else has been astounding so far. Without seeing a Devin Booker virtuoso performance, without seeing Mm -hmm. Cameron Johnson catch fire, which is going to happen as well, I fully believe it, and I know maybe there's still some things going on with the wrist, and maybe he's not 100% either, but, I mean, that guy's pure when it comes to his shooting. It's going to come back. Uh, And so, uh, yeah, I I think that there's still more that this team's going to give than what they've given so far. That's exciting. Yeah. Coming up next, uh, what can the Denver Nuggets, if anything, do to get uh, back into a positive place in this series? We'll get into that next. John Bloom in today for a Bick on Bickley and Murata, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. This is the home of Phoenix Suns playoff basketball. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, and the Arizona Sports app. Suns playoff coverage presented by Four Peaks Kelp Lifter. Bickley and Murata talk Suns Nuggets now. Yeah, you know, that was um, probably the, the, the only silver lining to a really rough night all the way around, kids, uh, was Will Barton, uh, who hasn't played in over seven weeks and this first game goes out there, gives you 10 and 3, uh, and gave us a, a bolt of energy in that first half. Makes a 3, blocks a shot. Um, and he hated me when I took him out because they reached his minute restriction. And I understand that. Uh, I just told our players uh, it's embarrassing that a guy that hasn't been able to play for seven weeks um, was out there leaving it all on the line. And I don't think anybody else did. Uh, this was an embarrassing performance um, from myself all the way through the last player. You know, uh, we're walking out of here with our heads uh, held down, rightfully so. And there's a reason that their crowd is yelling sons in four and they're calling for a sweep because if we play like this back in Denver, uh, this is going to be a really quick series. Yeah, that was uh, Michael Malone, the head coach of the Denver Nuggets on uh, Wednesday night. Uh, hitting on a, uh, That's another thing we didn't even talk about. He actually singled out one player as playing hard and playing well to the rest of the team. Why can't you be more like Will Barton? <laughs> he checked every box on, on how to dress down your team after that game. Uh, if they play like that, it will be a short series. Do we expect them to play like that again? I do not. No, I don't either. I think they, they will have a lot more force and energy tonight than we saw in either game one or game two, I think. Uh, now, we could be wrong uh, because in the end we could resort to what we've discussed for the majority of the last three hours, which is that the Suns are the better basketball team. And no matter what the Nuggets do, uh, even if they do come out with all kinds of energy, like they drank 17 Red Bulls each before the tip-off, 
it may not matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that Red Bull is really the secret to success on the basketball court. I don't know why I went with that, but uh, I've heard it gives you wings. Uh, I also know <laughs> that there is no sports kebab today because we don't have Jared Carlin. And so that was uh, maybe uh, my own version of the, the sports kabloom. There you go. Hey, you got, uh, I don't know, like 40 minutes to get some material together. I hope there's an end-of-the-week montage. Is, Do we still is, get a montage? Yes. Good. Uh, this Thank is norm- This oh. is normally when Jarrett starts writing the sports kebab, so I think <laughs> no, it is premature. Fi- physically it's possible for you to do it. It's premature. I thought it had to be post one, right? I mean, He's got to come up with a few Andy Reid jokes. It, it's not that hard. Adam Silver looks like an alien, blah, blah, Ooh, blah, blah. Yeah, blah. Adam Silver was in town. I mean, of all the weeks for Jarrett calling to not have a kebab. Yeah. It's when the commish, or as my kids, thanks to him, call him the slightly used Q-tip, is not in town. <laughs> my kids still use that. It's crazy. That was like a couple of years ago that he used that one. He's probably eating a <laughs> kebab right now. <laughs> tribute uh, to not being here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad there's a montage. That makes me feel a lot better it, about my day. I, I don't know if anything will be in the montage from the last two days of the week. Will, will there? Doesn't dressing? matter. Yeah. I just like the montage, and I'm, it's part of my Friday. I just don't. I, I'm already without a kebab. Don't make me go without a kebab and a montage. You know well, what? You know what I love about the montage? It makes the week's finish line. Yeah, that you get out early. Closer. <laughs> it's like a half day. All you have to do is go. Ah, yeah, like four times throughout the week. Ah, ah, ah. mm-hmm. Couple of Caddyshack <laughs> lines. Yeah, a Fresca. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because this, of all audiences, needs to hear this story. The other day, I'm going to a baseball game, and we pull into the lot on Third Street in Jefferson, and there is a dude taking pictures with his phone, just random pictures in the parking lot. And I turn to my buddy and I go. Hey, Wang, what's with the camera? It's a parking lot. It was the perfect time to execute one of my favorite Caddyshack lines. That's not one that gets used a lot on this show, but perfect execution. It was like made for us As to have somebody- it. We both- Oh, we got chuckles out of that all day. As the rest somebody of the day. who's seen that movie probably as many times as me and Bick. <laughs> I'm glad you gave me an opportunity to tell that story. I did air. get an opportunity to take uh, my older son, Brandon, to uh, there was a, a theater showing of Caddyshack probably six months ago. And we went very sparsely attended. You know, we had to wear masks and everything. <laughs> Social this. Yeah, that yeah. was his first experience with Caddyshack. And? and we walked out. And the first thing he said was. I get so many more of those references now. <laughs> You're not speaking a different language, Because apparently Dad. we lean on that movie a lot on this show. A little bit. <laughs> to a lot, actually. And I love every bit We even of had Lacey Underall on for an interview I last year. I loved every bit of that as yes. well. Yes. Uh, and, you know, and it's, it's, it's one of those things that uh, there are certainly people that we probably meet. And in our course of conversation, we talk and we make a joke and they completely don't get it at all. Now we're the weirdo because we quoted a movie that they never saw. And Caddyshack is probably first on that list of people I've done that to. And I, you can see it immediately if they don't know the movie. I made a reference earlier to a video game earlier in the week to uh, wouldn't it be cool if NBA players had a visible health meter like on the video game Gauntlet. I love it. Yeah. And then <laughs> I. I said it, and I immediately thought, nobody's going to get this reference. I remember Gauntlet. Somebody actually said, Vince, I laughed my butt off at that Gauntlet reference earlier in the week. Like, Wasn't there a turkey thank- leg involved yes. in Gauntlet? How do I remember that? Wizard need food. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. We have alienated a good portion of you out there. But know this. It's not by choice. We just have these things that we live through that we occasionally like to share. Look, we are both uh, very confident going into tonight that the Suns are going to do Suns things. They're going to play their brand of basketball.
on the flip side, um, the Denver Nuggets player that needs to step up the most in Game 3 to help their chances is? Ooh, I'm going to go with uh, Michael Porter Jr. Okay. I mean, it's, it's the easiest one, but it's the one that makes the most sense because we know he has it in him, right? We know that he can put up 30-point games. He can do that kind of thing. And there just isn't a whole bunch of guys that can on this roster. True. Aaron Gordon, maybe, could be an argument. I mean, he hasn't really done much either. No, he, he had a good game one. I thought he played decent in game one. I thought he was a total non-factor in game two. Jay quite, got in quite, his head. Yeah, yeah. I, quite honestly. He did, and, and we saw Aaron Gordon actually lose lose control and commit that offensive foul after that altercation. A uh, strong case can be made for Porter. He's shooting 34.6% through the first two games, 29% from three-point range, as came up earlier in the show. You know, he's not a good defensive player anyway, uh, so I don't think he's going to make his mark on that end. He certainly can. Monte Morris has been leaned on heavily this season for Denver, and he is shooting 11.8%, 2 for 17 from the floor through two games. You can make a case for him. You can also make a case for Nikola Jokic. Yeah. He's the MVP. I don't believe he's played like an MVP in the first two games. No, he hasn't. Be- better in game two, but uh, not... Not quite MVP caliber. And I think you've watched him enough. I've heard you talk about uh, your feelings uh, for his game, and and I feel very similar to – I think he is unique. Uh, There's just not a lot of other people that play basketball the way Nikola Jokic plays it, and it's because of what he is capable of doing, and it's also because of him knowing what he is – incapable of doing, mm-hmm. like flying above the rim. It's just not part of his game. Yes. So he's not going to try it. He's not going to go try to throw down a poster dunk on DeAndre. Don't get ready for that. It's not happening. But what he is going to do, potentially, is pick apart your offense or your defense like very few bigs have ever mm-hmm. done before. The difference right now, I think, that he's still adjusting to is what he's looking at relative to what he looked at in six games in the first round with the Portland Trailblazers DN him up with the likes of Yusuf Nurkic and the other guys that they threw at him along with a bunch of backcourt guys that don't really decide to play on that side of the floor, which is what Portland has struggled with and why they're looking for a new head coach. Mm -hmm. This is a different animal, and I think Jokic is still trying to figure it out, and he hasn't been able to. He hasn't even gotten himself to the free throw line, and that's one of the best pieces of evidence I can share, is you look at Nikola Jokic not getting to the line, not finding his way to, to play the game the way he wants to play it. Hey, Wayne, what's with the pictures? It's a parking lot. Come on. Yes. Coming up next, we will uh, focus on Nikola Jokic a little bit more, what to expect from him tonight, and a few other areas in social studies with Sarah Cazell. It's Bickley and Murata. John Bloom in today for Bick. Okay, fine. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.